Hi, welcome to the China Leadership Dilemma podcast, where once upon a time, I thought being in the 1% of 1% would be sufficient to crush it in China. And, but a lack of awareness and empathy caused me to experience some unexpected disappointments that we now call CLDs, or China Leadership Dilemmas. Today, my guest is Kai Boyer. Now, I'm going to do a brief introduction of her background. So she started off with a promising career as a professional tennis player. She won four junior national championships in tennis. She was ranked number one in Southern California, top 20 in all of the United States, and she played number one singles and doubles at UC Santa Barbara. But unfortunately, she suffered a career-ending hip injury. So she had to transition from being an aspiring tennis player to doing something else. And the interesting thing about Kai is she decided to not just be a fitness trainer, but she decided to be an entrepreneur. So she started Kai Boyer Fitness. And what we're here today to do is to learn a little bit about her story. And you're going to find a lot of interesting things that she had to overcome, not only in her personal journey to reach where she is today, but also in the unique system and methodology she's developed to help her clients. So Kai, um, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here today. Okay. So Kai is one of these really, really interesting people. She's uh, So iTunes is without video, but when you see this on YouTube, you can see that Kai is a, a really beautiful woman, but she's also really shy. So what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to get Kai to open up to us today about, uh, about her story and her journey and learn a little bit about her business and, and what she's doing today. So you spent 15 years of your life basically dedicated to tennis. So how difficult was it to finally accept that your tennis career was over? And, and can you tell us a little bit about what happened and why your tennis career ended? You know, it was a difficult transition period for a while. Um, I had to give up my scholarship. I had to give up the sport. I had lived and breathed for 15 years. Um, and there was kind of that period of, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. um, and I found that through working out, I was going to the gym every day, and that's where I really found my passion for personal training. Okay, so how did you suffer the injury? Just from overtraining, you know, years after year, and um, eventually I got injured. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, it's something that you can't rehab. Um, so it was mainly due to overtraining. It was due to overtraining, not misuse. But you know, that's that's a common sports injury. Is athletes are pounding on their bodies day after day. Um, so overuse injuries are very common. Mm -hmm. Now, were you working with trainers back then who kind of overtrained you, or were you just pushing yourself too hard? Um, it was a combination. You know, kind of a both. We. I felt like we overtrained a lot when we were playing in college. Mm. Um, we weren't having enough time to rest our bodies, and that's how injuries happen. Um, unfortunately for me, it was a career-ending injury. Okay. How long, how long between um, knowing that you were no longer going to be a professional tennis player to actually developing a career as a personal trainer? I mean, how long did that transition take, and how quickly did you know that's the direction that you would take your life and now take your business. It was about six months while I was studying, getting my certifications. 
um, you know, learning more about, you know, human anatomy, how the body works. Um, mm -hmm. I had always worked out for myself. I knew how to work out my own body. Um, but it's a whole different thing when you're going to be teaching people how to train their own bodies. And you have to understand the backside of physiology much more. Okay. So when you were, you learned that at UC Irvine or you at um, I did different certifications. Um, and there's a lot of different courses I took for nutrition, for strength training, for athletes. Um, to really learn um, about each of those segments. Okay, so you kind of knew uh, that you would still be involved in kind of the sporting sports or fitness industry. Absolutely. And, and I, I didn't see myself ever leaving, um, you know, something where you're very active and very physical. Okay. And, you know, the interesting thing that I learned is, you know, you were a master trainer at LA Fitness Signature Club. Can you tell us what a master trainer is? So master trainers, after you've helped 100 clients reach their goals. Um, so I worked really with the high-end clientele, um, people with um, special needs, people right after surgeries, athletes, um, helping them reach their goals. And after, um, you know, doing that for about two and a half years, I started my own business, Kyber Warrior Fitness, um, mm -hmm. and I've been doing that for about two and a half years now. Um, so I have about five years of experience. Now, did you suddenly just one day wake up and say, you know, I could... I could make a lot more money if I did this myself instead of doing yes. it. Through, is that yes, what happened? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and I saw what my clients were paying, and I saw what you I saw was what doing. they were paying at LA Fitness. Oh, I yes, I was <laughs> well aware of it, and they were only getting twenty-five minute sessions, and they were paying a ridiculous amount of money. Mm. Um, and that's what I was able to do once I started my own businesses. I was able to make it more affordable for my clients, but I was also able to give them double the session time, so they were able to get better results faster and also, you know, better results for their money. Oh, okay. And, and so did you take a lot of your LA Fitness clients over to Kai Boyer Fitness? I did, and I have some of the greatest clients that have been with me for over four years now. Mm. Um, and they've come with me and, you know, we've continued build, building my business and we have a lot of new clients and it's always great to really build um, that culture. Mm. Okay. And I also, uh, went through your website and looked at some of your social media posts, you've kind of developed your own philosophy that kind of integrates health and nutrition together. Do you, Absolutely. Want, to, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think, you know, health and wellness, it all goes hand in hand, you know, as far as working out, as far as eating right, as far as supplementation, as far as cardio, um, sleeping well, you know, all those things really tie in together. It's not, you know, something that you can do piece by piece, they all have to be integrated together. Mm. How about the, uh, the, I saw the word Kaizen in your, on your website. So Kaizen is a philosophy of trying to improve yourself in all areas of life, whether it's, um, you know, your fitness and your wellness, whether it's efficiency at work, whether it's home life, whether it's family, whatever it is, it's about the, you know, state of continuous improvement. So it's something I really strive for all my clients to um, believe and try to do. Okay. So you must work with kind of a, you know, you work with, you don't just work with a specific kind of, you know, 20 year old women who are preparing for summertime bikini season. You work with a whole spectrum of, of males and females, younger people, performance athletes, and also older people like, like me who, who just want to be healthier and have more energy. How, how do you approach the different types of people that you have to interact with? Absolutely. So, you know, you have to kind of look at what each client needs um, and, you know, as far as 
the different demographics I work with, yeah, I work with a lot of athletes. So we'll look at the fundamental movements for they need for their sport. Um, I work with a lot of tennis players. Um, so obviously the movement and agility for them is going to be a little bit different than um, a dancer I work with or a soccer player I work with. Um, so you kind of have to look at the fundamentals for each person. I also work with a lot of clients right after surgery. Mm. Um, so we have to look at, you know, what their limitations are and, you know, continue, you know, continue progressing their movements, continue progressing their workouts um, as they improve and as they continue to strengthen. Now, do you work with people who, who are rehabilitating from sports-related injuries or, yes. or any injuries? Um, I work with all the above, you know, older clients that are having knee replacements. One of the most common things I work with is actually older athletes that are now in their 60s and 70s that now, you know, their bodies are, knee are kind of falling apart. They've had different replacements. Um, you know, for a lot of them, it's, you know, even just getting out of the wheelchair, being able to walk, chase after their grandkids, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do work with a number of young athletes, um, you know, improving their game. If they have a knee injury, roll an ankle, stuff like that, getting them back on the court. Okay. Well, let's just take me for an example. I'm in my mid-40s. Uh, what would you kind of recommend for me? You know, it kind of depends what goals, you know, you're looking to achieve, whether you are looking to gain muscle, you're looking to lose weight. I'm looking to live longer. You're looking to live longer. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what you're talking about. And obviously, live healthier. Live longer. healthier. So, it's really about integrating a healthy lifestyle. So, it's not just so much about a fad diet or trying to lose, you know, 20 pounds for summer. It would be about, you know, lifestyle and living that healthy lifestyle over the long haul. Mm -hmm. um, so eating the right things, exercising every day, um, you know, getting enough sleep, all of those things really play a factor in the longevity of your life. Yeah, so what, what, how should I change my diet? It depends, you know, what you're looking to do, um, you know, for you to be more high protein, lower carbs, more complex carbs, more vegetables. Um, and I have, so I lay out a nutrition plan for each client, you know, based on what they're looking to do We to um, customize meal plans. Um, daily meal breakdowns, recipes, the whole nine yards. Yeah, I, I recently heard uh, there's a lot of, there's so much stuff going on in the fitness industry these days. There is, there uh, really is. You know, I've heard terms like biohacking, meal se sequencing, and, um, and even the term cruciferous vegetables. I didn't even know what that was you know, before I moved to Southern California. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely in the forefront of the, you know, the fitness and wellness industry. Um, so we're always keeping up the latest and the greatest. Okay. So one of the things that, uh, so a lot of you might be interested. So, you know, why have I invited Kai to be a guest on the China Leadership Dilemma podcast? So uh, you might not be able to see this from iTunes since it's audio only, but Kai is also uh, a mixed race. She's actually half Chinese, half Russian. Uh, so I want to give Kai a chance to kind of explain um, how her experience growing up in kind of this biracial family environment and how maybe that affected your perspective or how you grew up. I think, you know, it really gives you a great cultural appreciation for different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was raised Jewish as well, so it was always a little bit different where I was different than the rest of my friends that were raised in just one culture. Were you Jewish on your mom's side? Yes. 
Um, so we, you know, we grew up kind of celebrating everything. We celebrated Hanukkah, we celebrated Christmas. Um, so I think it kind of um, gives you a greater cultural Did you celebrate Chinese New Year's? We did. We, we kind of did it all. Okay. And also, uh, it's interesting that um, because you were an aspiring athlete, you were also homeschooled. I was. I was homeschooled up until my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. um, so it was definitely a different experience than a lot of kids have. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely interesting for, you know, to be 17 years old and for the first time to be walking into a classroom and having to follow along with the bell schedule and all the other things um, that go along with going to school. So it was definitely a learning curve for me. So what does it actually mean to be homeschooled? Is it your parents teaching you or is it private tutors teaching you? We did it through an online um, program called Laurel Springs, which a lot of, um, you know, child athletes or child stars will do. Um, so all your, it, it's kind of the same as going to school. You listen to a program, you fill out your homework, you still have deadlines, you still have to write papers, take all the tests. Um, kind of the same thing is just you're able to do it when, when you're able to, you know, and for me, a lot of the time it was on a plane or on a train, wherever we were going for a tournament. So it wasn't so much that I was, um, so you didn't have any classmates. I did not. I did not. Okay. And you started homeschooling from like first grade or? Yeah, I was homeschooled all the way up until my senior year of high school. So who were your friends? In the <laughs> That's what everyone asks. Um, you really just like my tennis friends because most of us were kind of in the same boat where we, um, you know, didn't have normal childhood. So we just, you know, most of my friends were from tennis. Okay. And then you had your first classmate when you started UC Santa Barbara. Uh, I went to university high first when I was 17, and then I went to UC Santa Barbara. Okay. Um, it was, you know, it was definitely an interesting experience. I'm glad I got to do it. It was a, it was a great experience getting to go to uni. Um, it was great getting to go into a classroom with 30 people before I went to Santa Barbara where there was, you know, 700 people in a class. Mm -hmm. So I think that would have been much more overwhelming for me. Um, so it was, it was great. I got to kind of have that stepping stone in between. So what about some of the, the social aspects of having classmates and dating and going out to parties. I assume as a, as a professional tennis player, you didn't really, you weren't allowed to party much. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it, you know, I was still very structured. I still, you know, had, a, as soon as I was done with school, I went straight to practice. A lot of times before class in the morning, I'd go to the gym, I'd go for a run. Um, so I still really, be, you know, live like an athletic um, lifestyle. It wasn't that I got to be a normal kid by any means. Mm. Okay. So did you ever experience any kind of peer pressure? I wouldn't say peer pressure. It was just, I was kind of on my own. Um, you know, I was on my own regiment. It was definitely different where a lot of my friends didn't understand why I couldn't go out on a Friday night or I couldn't go out Saturday night. It's like, well, I have a tournament tomorrow. You know, you can't go out and do this kind of thing. So. No, but what about once you, your, your tennis career was over, then you could start going out. Did, yeah. Did you start going out? Yeah. Um, somewhat. I really just, I got into working full time. That's, that's what I know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as you know, when I started at LA Fitness, I was working six days a week. So there wasn't, and I was starting a lot of times at five, five thirty in the morning. Oh, right. Um, so it was kind of the same schedule I was used to from tennis where there wasn't a whole lot of free time and not a whole lot of social time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was already used to it. I was really used to being self-driven, mm -hmm. um, which I think really helped me um, in being an entrepreneur because I was used to doing everything by myself for myself in a sense. Do you attribute any of that to, uh, your parents? Absolutely. Um, and talk a little bit about that. Why, why do you feel you're more self-driven? How, how did they 
how did they push you or, or, or raise you to make you kind of more self-driven or even more entrepreneurial? Um, well, my parents are entrepreneurs. They have their own business. Um, it's a third family generation business. So I've seen, you know, how hard they work, um, you know, day in, day out. How I mean, my grandmother's in her 80s and she still works. Um, so I already had that work ethic. Um, and, you know, I saw what they had to do and the sacrifices they had to make for my tennis. Um, and it really gave me that appreciation for, you know, working hard, for family, um, really for the opportunities that they gave me. Yeah, one of the things that we didn't talk about beforehand, uh, do you have any brothers or sisters? I don't. I'm an only child. Okay. And I'm an only grandchild. You're an only child and an only grandchild. Okay. I'm also an only child. You are? Yeah, but um, my grandparents have like 20 or 30. I have 20 or 30 cousins. Oh, wow. That's Tons a lot. Of cousins. <laughs> Because my mom has five aunts and uncles on her side. No, my mom has four aunts and uncles on her side, and my father has five more on his side. Wow. So, wow. So that's um. So you were homeschooled also without siblings. Yeah. Okay. So, so that. Uh, but you're so good with your clients. So obviously you've developed, where did you develop your kind of social skills to work with your clients? You know, I don't know. I, you know, you have to really find empathy and be able to connect with people. Um, I don't think it's something I really learned or tried to work on. Um, it's just a matter of connecting with people and, you know, them having to trust me and be, you know, knowing that I'm going to help them reach their goals. And right away, especially in personal training, they have to trust you because they're going to talk to you about the things you know, they're self-conscious about the things they don't like about their bodies, you know, the things they want to change about their life, and you have to really be able to connect with them. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's the interesting thing. So, it, you know, when you're doing business across cultures, uh, one of the most important aspects is first you have to develop that trust. Absolutely. And working with so many different clients, you have uh, females, males, you have young, you have old, you have athletes, you just have, you know, middle-aged men who, who want to get healthier. What has been, uh, do you ever kind of think about how to develop empathy or, or why you, what, what do you do to help people to open up about, you know, being overweight or, you know, having poor habits? You know, I think it's really about being a good listener, asking the right questions, and just really having a non-judgmental environment. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of ladies will be kind of nervous about coming in and working out in a big gym like, you know, um, next level. And it's just really kind of creating that safe space for them to be able to talk to me, um, but also be able to work out and not feel self-conscious um, and just really be focused on that. And that's what I always tell them. Everyone here is here to focus on themselves, here to improve themselves. You know, don't worry about what everyone else thinks. You know, don't feel like anyone's looking at you. Don't feel like anyone's judging you. You're here to improve yourself. Yeah, that's such a... It just seems like what you do is just such a microcosm of what people need to do when they do business overseas, especially when foreigners or, or Americans, they go over to China. I always tell them that you can't be judgmental. Absolutely. Um, have you, because uh, I, I guess where you work now, you have, um, you're in a group and there's a lot of other personal trainers there. Have you ever kind of experienced where clients of other personal trainers um, wanted to switch trainers because they're, they didn't like their trainers? And were, was it because they were 
What was the reasons why they didn't like the trainers? Or what's one of the reasons why people switch trainers? Um, I would say one of the reasons that people switch trainers is usually like they don't feel their trainers focusing on their goals or not paying enough attention to them, not, um, you're not, not really listening to them, not really connecting with them. Mm. Have you ever had somebody switch either to you or away from you? Um, not so much with where we're at now. Um, before, yeah, you know, different trainer, and that also happens with scheduling. Um, you know, if you know a client doesn't fit in the schedule, then you know you have to talk to another trainer and see who else they'll work well with. Mm-hmm. Um, but not something I really deal with. Most of my clients stay with me for years and years, so that's not a huge issue I deal with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things that we also want to kind of just, you know, you you haven't been you've been doing Kai Warrior Fitness for how many years now? Two and a half years. So now. just only two and a half years. Yeah. And uh, where kind of. Tell us a little bit about the current state of your business and maybe where you want to take this business over the next three to five years and maybe even beyond. Well, right now um, I have three facilities um, in Irvine, Newport Beach, and Corona Del Mar. I launched my online program at the end of last year, um, and I also am an ambassador for six different companies. Oh, wow. um, so that's, you know, I'm developing multiple sides of business. Um, I've, you know, I would really like to expand my online presence and my online business much more and be able to work with my clients all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the international market, I do have a lot of clients that move back to their countries. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the students that will, you know, go back to China or go back to Singapore. Um, so being able to still connect with them um, is a huge part that I would really like to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've played with a lot of different ideas. I would love to write a book, um, a little bit more of my philosophy and um, being able to just really promote that healthy lifestyle and changing um, your overall health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now there's a lot of different things in the works, um, so it's hard to kind of explain all of it. Yeah, no, I want to I wanna just dive a little bit deeper on, on two aspects. One is, uh, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your own unique philosophy to health and wellness and fitness? Like what are the real things that you help your clients focus on? One of the things I really most, you know, really focus my clients on is enjoying what you do. Mm. So I build a lifestyle program for them and I don't, I'm not a big fan of cutting things out. I'm a big fan of substituting. So when it starts with the diet, um, you know, you don't want to take away all of their favorite we want to make little substitutions that are healthier for them mm-hmm. so they don't feel like oh they're missing out on everything because that's where usually people do a crash diet but they gain all the weight right back because mm-hmm. they're sitting around obsessing about all you know all their favorite foods they're missing out on mm-hmm. same thing with working out i want to build a program that they enjoy so most of my clients will come see me two to three days a week and whether their passions you know going for a swim going for a bike ride going to zumba class i highly encourage them to keep doing that and we kind of build a structured week where they do the things they enjoy. Because mm-hmm. if I'm going to try to force a client to come work out, you know, in a gym four or five days a week and they don't enjoy it, that's going to become a chore for them. It's not something they're going to maintain. It's not something they're going to really dedicate themselves to. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about really finding that program that fits your lifestyle for the long term. Because, you know, fitness and improving your health doesn't happen overnight. Right. It needs to be something you're in for the long term. Yeah, that's, that's also a good segue to the next question that I want to just talk a little bit about how that ties into your online business and what you're trying to develop there. So my online program right now um, is both the workout side, but also the nutrition side. So as far as um, the custom workouts, it's, it's a really great, it's through an app. 
um, where my clients download the app and I'm able to write them notes, I'm able to schedule their workouts, plan the weights, the reps, the rest time, the whole nine yards for them. I'm able to write individual notes um, for them and tell them exactly um, what areas to focus on, what muscles to squeeze. Um, it also has 3D animated videos to go along with every exercise, um, so it's a little bit easier for them. Uh, the nutrition planning, um, same kind of thing. I'm able to build custom custom workout or custom diet plans for them, mm -hmm. uh, and it counts their macros, their sugars, their proteins, um, all of that for them. Okay. So, how would our, our audience who's interested in this type of personal training or your online programs, how would they connect with you? How would they find out about it? Everything's on my website. Okay. Online programs are on my website. Okay. So we'll make sure that everybody has access to your website uh, when we when this goes out live. Um, it's been really enjoyable talking to you. It's been great being here. Thank you so much for having me, Gene. Um, before, we, before we go, I, I want to ask one more question because I feel like all the questions were centered around health and, and fitness and things that the things that you already know how to answer. I want to try to ask you a hard question that make you think a little bit. Oh boy, okay. Okay, so um, I, I want you to try to think back and it, it can just be working with clients in your current business or it, it can even be before, but maybe in your, in your current business. Uh, what we really want to talk about is when you experienced uh, an unexpected disappointment. So a client disappointed you or a partner disappointed you or a potential sponsor disappointed you. Being disappointed happens all the time. But most of the time, we kind of know what we did wrong and we expected the outcome. Can you recall a time where your disappointment was kind of unexpected? You know, I think probably one of my, you know, greatest disappointments was not getting to play, um, you know, all four years of college tennis and, um, you know, but I do think everything happens for a reason. So I think there's only, you know, so much, you know, so much time you can focus on disappointment and how things went wrong. Um, and I'm a big fan of just constantly improving in all areas of life. Um, so whether it's my business or whether it's my personal life, always just trying to, you know, move forward and learn from your mistakes, I think is really important. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're going to wave goodbye to our audience because it's being filmed in video also. But uh, uh, this will also be on iTunes. And... Uh, Kai Warrior Fitness, thank you very much. And um, yeah, say goodbye to the audience. Bye, everyone. Thank bye you bye. for having me. Okay.